You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. I love food. I flew in Friday. I had a great time with the men. Are the men in the room? Let me hear you, men. Friday night, um, the men, at my request, made a deep, guttural sound because I told them that I have five children, my wife and I. My oldest is a son, and when he moved out, we had four girls remaining, and so I live in the sea of estrogen, <laughs> and I love it, but I love going to moments with men say, could you just make a guttural sound for me and let me bottle it up and take it home? So I have a bottle from Friday. I'd like a bottle from Sunday. So women, if you would just listen for a moment, men, would you please make the sound of men? Yeah. That's what I'm taking back home to Washington, D.C. this afternoon. And um, so Saturday, um, I went uh, to downtown uh, Augusta Riverwalk, and um, I went to a place called uh, Humana Tree House. Good food, really good food. I, I just, I love food. They didn't have any peach cobbler, so they sent me over to, uh, I think it's called uh, Vancey's, which is a, uh, a dessert bar. And the peach cobbler was really, really good. And the woman who was serving me told me about a place in Richmond called uh, Soul Kitchen, S-O-E, son. So I was at Soul Kitchen last night. I got some good food here. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but you've got good food here. We've got some good food back home, too. There's a little place in uh, Chantilly, Virginia, outside of D.C., a place called Sweetwater Tavern. And they have bread pudding. I don't like bread pudding. I don't know why they call it bread pudding. It's not bread pudding. It's manna from heaven. <laughs> they serve it on a salsa with this little yellow glaze that you end up scraping with your spoon. This little cake, it's golden brown, toasted, has a soft crunch to it. It's served hot. Inside is this gooey goodness, and on top of it is ice cream, and so the ice cream melts down into it, and when your spoon goes through it, one taste, it's like time stands still. Your hands raise toward heaven. The spoon falls in slow motion from your hand and a tear begins to roll 
down your cheek to your chin and you can no longer speak words. It's just, Abba, it's just, <laughs> it's so good. One taste is enough. And I've told so many people about that bread pudding. People will text me photos of them having the bread pudding at Sweetwater. And they go, you were right, you were right. I love the taste. I love it so much that I'm telling you about it. No one's paying me to tell you about the dessert I love. I don't get a dime from sweet water. It's just that good that I have to tell you because I want you to know what I know. Now, as much as I like that dessert, in this moment I'm no longer talking about sweet water. There's a bread that has come down from heaven. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And one taste of Jesus is enough to set your soul on fire. One taste. One taste. The psalmist said, taste and see. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. The word taste. So many people don't know that God is good. If you're in the room, make some noise if you know he's good. Come on. If you're online virtually, shout it up if you know he's good. Come on, let's give him a shout for his goodness. David penned this song in view of the mercy of God rescuing him. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste. The word taste is to to perceive, to eat, and No means to become aware of, to understand, to know. Oh, there's something about perceiving and understanding and then becoming aware of and greater, knowing that the Lord is good, knowing that he is desirable, knowing that he is kind, knowing that he is merciful. One taste of his mercy. Have you not tasted the mercy of God? Think on your life. Mercy knew every day of your life, and we all have experiences that we can recount about his mercy, but how about his mercy when you didn't even know it? When he caused you to sleep in a little bit later to avoid a tragedy that was going to happen later that day, that was his mercy and you didn't even know about it. Taste and see that he is good. I want people to taste and know that God is good. He's good. And there are times that even we in the church need to remember God's good even in the dark. I, I, I was so encouraged thinking about God in the dark. 
God has done some of his best work in the dark. I don't like the darkness any more than the next person. But I had to pause in my soul and recognize God saying, do you not know, Donnell, I've done some of my best work in the dark. Even as we worship him in song, talking about the God who turns graves into gardens, the one who turns bones into armies. He's also the God who turns nothingness into somethingness. In the beginning, it says darkness was over the surface of the deep, and while it was dark over the surface of the deep, the Spirit of God was hovering, brooding over that waters, and God said, let there be light. He was doing good work in the dark. Darkness is the canopy upon which he paints. He's never been afraid of the dark. Sometimes he clothes himself in it. He was working in the dark when he was on the cross and the disciples all scattered. And Jesus, who had worked with wood and nails, his life was now... <laughs> I wonder if he knew the smell of the wood. I wonder if the nails that held him to the cross he had worked with as a carpenter. He was doing some of his best woodwork that day in a dark moment. He works in the dark, the darkness of COVID. He's good. The darkness of economic, ethnic, economic, all strife in our culture. God's still good. He's so good that a man had to discover it. Asaph in Psalm 73, he says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. Hear what Asaph is saying. In the beginning, he is offering a complaint, but before he gets to the end, he talks about coming into the presence of God and having his perspective changed, and nothing externally in his environment has changed, but he got to the point where he could worship and say, but as for me, say, but as for me. The nearness of God is my good. I thank Asaph for that. He's saying, even if things in my life are not good, God's nearness is my good. Even though COVID is not good, God's nearness to us in COVID is my good. Even though there's ethnic strife all over our nation, in the middle of the strife, the nearness of God is my good. I don't need everything to be good. I just need to be near to God who is good. And once you embrace that God is good, you can walk through the dark. You can walk through what's not good. You can, and I'm ashamed to say, I've not lived up to the level of play God's expected, but he's such a good God that even in my shame, he's like, I'm going to get some glory out of this, and I'm going to teach you how I walk through the dark. Ah, anybody encouraged about the goodness of God today? Come on, Dennis and Candace. I had a great conversation with Dennis, and he was bragging about his beautiful wife, Candace, and now he's sitting there with his arm around her. Told her roommate, she looks like a model, sowed a seed. I remember the story. Let me stick to the message. <laughs> I had such a great time Friday with all you men. I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And this is 
a period in history where a couple named Abram and Sarai, later named Abraham and Sarah. They are no strangers to pain. There's no foreignness in them when it comes to shame. They've been through a lot. Um, married for a long time, not able to conceive and have children. That was not just a point of pain in the culture at the time, it was also a point of shame. And what made it even more challenging was that God said, not that you're going to have a kid. I'm going to turn you into a nation. <laughs> you're you're going to become a great nation. And at this part, I want you to follow along as we look at God's goodness. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. What a moment. Abraham is sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. This is not the cool of the day when God came walking in the garden to the first man and the first woman. This is now the heat of the day. He's sitting at the entrance to his tent. Sarah's in the tent. And it says the Lord appeared to him near the oaks of Mamre. Mamre is the name of Abraham's neighbor. And Mamre is the current owner of the land, and that's why it's called the trees of Mamre. They're Mamre's trees, just like the trees on your property are Prater's trees or Michael's trees or Rachel's trees. He's living in the land that God says, this is your land, I promise it to you, yet the trees are still called Mamre. That's faith. And it says that the Lord appeared near the trees. We don't know the exact distance of the trees from the tent, but the Lord was standing there. Three men, the Bible says. We know that one is Jesus, the Lord. And as Jesus is standing there, it says Abraham looked up and saw three men standing. I, I thought... How long was Jesus standing there? How long was he standing there before Abraham looked up? You know the answer? Long enough. I don't know by measure of time how long, but I know he stood there long enough. Long enough for Abraham sitting at the entrance of his tent to look up 
I'm so glad that God will stand in your home, in your office, in your marriage, in your family, with your children, your relatives, and everything. He'll show up. He will appear to you like he appeared to Abraham, and he'll stand there. How long? Long enough for us to look up. Thank God when you look up, he's still standing there. Abraham looks up and he sees him, and it says, he hurried. He's not a young man. He hurried. There's a sense of urgency. Guys, when God appears, there needs to be a sense of urgency within us to respond. He gets up, and here he is sitting, and the Lord is standing, and he runs to him, and he bows low, and he says, thank you for coming. If I found favor in your eyes, please, please do not pass by. Stay. When God shows up on Sunday, when he shows up Monday in your devotion, let your request be, please stay. Stay with me. He bows low. He says, stay with me. Please let me get a little water so you can wash your feet. I thought wash feet because that's what you do when you wear sandals and it's nothing but dirt. There's no concrete. There's no asphalt, right? But the question is, did Jesus really walk there or did he just appear from heaven? Because his feet were probably clean. But that's what you do. That's hospitality. Your hospitality here at Focus is amazing. Welcome bag in my room. Donnell, my favorite snacks, goodies. Y'all are great. Hospitality. It's part of the culture, and Abraham runs, and he says, please, can I bring some water, and can I get you something to eat? And, and all of a sudden, the posture changes where Abraham is standing, and now Jesus and the others are sitting because he's not the servant we are. And they, he runs into the tent, and he tells Sarah, quick, get three sayas of the finest flour." Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Why did he say finest? Why didn't he just say get some flour and make some bread? He said the finest flour. Mm. The best desserts are made with the finest flour. It's been sifted. It's, 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 it's not the regular flour. You know, when you eat a good biscuit or you eat just a regular biscuit and you don't even think about it, you just taste like, ah, oh, I need some butter. You know, it, that wasn't fine flour. The fine flour, when you take a bite, you actually don't pull, you pull it away and you look at it. <laughs> and you go, what in the world is in this biscuit? Lord have mercy. And you talk to your server, can you get the chef? What is in this? Can you give me the recipe? Sometimes it's not what's in it, it's what's not in it. Because of what the sifting got rid of. Oh, I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying, church. Woo! It's the best bread I've ever had. Tears running down my cheek. And it's not just what's in it, it's what got sifted out. It got sifted, it got sifted, and when it sifted, only the good stuff and all the extraneous, oh, I'm not talking about bread. There's this moment where Jesus is with his disciples, and Peter's talking about, who, even if everybody else denies you, I'm your boy. And he's talking, Peter, let me help you. You actually going to deny me three times before? No, no. Even if I have to die with you, I'm your man. Pete, 
Pete, Pete, look, look, look. <laughs> you're, not as, you're not where you think you are. In fact, the devil, Satan, has demanded permission. Thank God he has to have permission. He has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Sifting wheat is a good thing. Hallelujah. But the mention of Satan's involvement in the process is where we struggle. Because if you're Pete, you're like, yeah, but you didn't give him permission, right? <laughs> well, I've prayed for you. You don't need to pray. Just tell him no. <laughs> why, why do you need to pray? Just say no. He needs permission. You tell him no. Well, I've prayed for you that in the sifting, your faith won't fail. That in COVID, your faith won't fail. That in the racial issues, that your faith won't fail. That in your problem, in your marriage, your kids, that your faith won't fail. And when you turn back to me, you'll strengthen everybody else. What, Jesus? Yeah, I do some of my best work in the dark. Satan's like a sous chef. <laughs> you might need to strike that. But nobody likes that part. <laughs> I don't want the devil in the kitchen. <laughs> Look at what Peter later says in 1 Peter 4, 12-13. Beloved, do not be surprised. This is not Peter before. This is Peter later. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test you. That is, to test the quality of your faith as though something strange or unusual were happening to you. But insofar as you are sharing, say sharing, Christ's sufferings keep on rejoicing so that when his glory, filled with radiance and splendor, is revealed, you may rejoice with great joy. Hallelujah. Peter knows what it is like to be sifted. Don't think it's strange when you're being sifted. Woo! When we're being sifted and the enemy's involved, two things are happening. Number one, God is permitting the devil while simultaneously privileging us. Permitting the devil to participate in the process of us being sifted like wheat and privileging us simultaneously to share in the sufferings of Christ so that we have fellowship with him. One of our pastors at our Chantilly location who serves with Pastor Brett Fuller, his name's Pastor Duke Bendix. His dad was in the military. Older man in his 80s and 90s, fought in wars for our nation. And he says annually when they come together, his buddies who are still survivors of the war, when they stand together in a circle, Pastor Duke says sometimes he stands in the circle with him, 
but he recognizes as they look into each other's eyes there's a fellowship they have because they suffer together that when he's standing in the circle I'm only uh, taking a look at it but I'm not in that fellowship because I wasn't there. I want to be able to suffer with Christ so that when I look him in his eyes and I look at you in my eyes we be like yeah we went through something and now we have a shared experience you fellowship at the level of your shared experiences how many experiences have suffering have we shared with Christ it's not our trials it's his trials that he is permitting us to participate in <clears throat> is this helping anybody When we get sifted like wheat, God starts removing things from us. Uh, you know, we all love gifted, anointed, powerful. God's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to sift you. <laughs> I want to get at what's behind the bad actions. I want to get to the ungodly attitudes. Isn't that amazing? When... <laughs> Only bread made from the finest flour brings tears to your eyes. And God is content to conform you into the image and likeness of his son. So we got to go through the sifting. We got to go, oh, God, help. Woo. Oh, that hurt. Again, oh. the sifting process is very uncomfortable, unwanted, unfavorable, unpleasant. But it's good because of what it produces. Mm. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Come on. I just, the, when you start going through the shift, like I said, it's not just about what's in it, it's about what's no longer in it. When we're sifted, things are removed from us. Sitting removes, sifting removes ungodly attitudes, not just ungodly ways. The sift brings about a shift. It's got less mad surrender and sad surrender so that you have glad surrender to whatever God says. It, it's about Less hate and more love. Less serving me, more serving others. Less sameness and more oneness. Let us love one another apart from our political affiliation because being sons and daughters in God's family and citizens in God's kingdom is eternal and therefore greater than citizenship and political affiliation in a nation that is temporal. Less complaining and more thanking. I hope you have such a great taste of God on a regular that you can't help, you can't help but share with somebody. Flying here Friday, sitting on a plane next to a man, we'll call him E. He's my new friend we just met on the plane. And we just began talking. I think he initiated the conversation. telling me about himself, uh, his dad, his, his dad's godly influence in his life and in the family and how close they are today. And I began to share with him my story, a story that I shared with many of you last year. And uh, we're both wearing masks. But in the course of talking, he leaned over to me and said, you know what you're doing, don't you? I said, what? He said, you're witnessing to me. I said, yeah. 
And at some point I said, where are you right now in your relationship with Jesus? As I was sharing my story, it was just like the Lord was just giving him a taste. It wasn't like he hadn't had a taste before, but it had been a while. And he said something, he said, you know what? I see the sidewalk, but I'm not on it. And I said, do you want to get on the sidewalk? He said, tears in his eyes. He said, do I want to? Uh, I need to. I know I need to, but the want to. I said, well, what would prevent you from right now? And we prayed together, and it was just me and him and Jesus, and he confessed Jesus as Lord of his life. I invited him to be here today. I met a couple last night sitting at the bar at Soul Kitchen and shared with them. I invited them to be here. Tears at the, and the bartender said, I don't know, man, I just feel, I don't know why I'm telling you all my stuff. And the woman came by like, what, were you a bartender before? The roles switched? And we just kind of laughed. And I invited him to be here today because they all live here. A little taste. Try this bread. What is that? And it's not Donnell. It is the aroma, the fragrance, the presence of the bread of heaven. I'm praying that you will have a taste of Jesus every day. And that not only would you have a taste, but that you would be so moved. Abraham ran into the tent. He said, Sarah, quick, make some bread. And he ran over to the stall, picked out a tender choice calf, gave it to the servant, and the servant hurried. When the spirit of urgency is on you, it also will come on those you lead. And he prepared a meal for them, and he sat nearby. He, they were sitting as he stood under the tree. He gave Jesus a taste. It wasn't just flour that made that bread. It was the finest flour for Jesus. And it's like, can you imagine the privilege of being able to make a meal for Jesus? And he sat and ate it. And I was thinking about that, and I'm like, oh, in focus. In focus. Guess what? We can give God a taste of Augusta. Give him a taste of Columbia. Give him a taste of Richmond. Give him a taste of Taliaferro. Give him a taste of, I don't know all the counties, you know them. Give him a taste. I, I know there's a Washington here, just like there's one there. Give him a taste of every county. I wrote down the counties. I wrote them down. I went to, Lord, I am asking that in focus church would so taste you that they would then begin to give you a taste, like Abraham preparing a meal, that they could give you a taste of Augusta, a taste of downtown, the Riverwalk, a taste of Richmond, a taste of Columbia, a taste of Burke, a taste of Jenkins, a taste of Lincoln, a taste of Wilkes, a taste of McDuffie, a taste of Jefferson, a taste of Taliaferro, a taste of Warren, a taste of Glasgow, a taste of Hancock, a taste of Washington. Give him a taste. Give him a taste. In focus, give Jesus a taste of Augusta. So much so.
in Luke, there's this moment before the crucifixion and he was approaching the city of Jerusalem and it says, as he got near, when he saw the city, he began weeping and said, if only you knew. I want Jesus to come near to Augusta and start weeping. Not tears of sorrow, but tears of joy because in focus is here and is giving God a taste of every county. If you agree with that, give him a shout. I want to pray. Some of you, it's been a while since you've had a real taste of Jesus. You need your appetite wet again. Some of you, this is a moment for you to just say, Lord, I'm looking up because you're standing nearby. And I don't know how long, but it's been long enough. I'm running to you now because I want to give you some of Augusta. But I'm going to start by just giving you myself. Some of you, it's your first time back in this room. Some of you, you're thinking, I, I, I just want to know Jesus. And today is the beginning of a relationship. Some of you came in sick, and God is here as a healer. If any of that applies to anybody in this room, stand where you are. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from, and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.